Welcome to the message podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Make sure you join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road and a new campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, at our Harrisonburg campus, we have a Spanish campus that meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. Check out our website, cotnaz.org, for more information. As we come to our text today in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we find Paul taking a stand in that battle. He draws out the battle lines, and in that he not only shows the church in Corinth, but he shows believers of all generations how we can be victorious in the battlefield of the mind. Would you pray with me as we jump in the scriptures today? Lord, we give you this time. Father, we desire that you would change us that your spirit would lead us and show us what it means to be victorious in Christ. Father, open our hearts to receive your word today and your truth, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3, the Apostle Paul writing, he says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world the world does. Peter put it this way in his letter. If you read 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, be alert and of sober mind. Pay attention. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We are living our lives within a battle of principalities. God's enemy is our enemy. He is our enemy collectively and personally. Paul is here setting the stage of the battle that we engage in in our lives. The language that he is using here in 2 Corinthians is literal language of military conflict, of a military expedition. This was not wordplay for the apostle. This was not an abstract idea. This was a literal battle going on in his mind, and that's the stage he is setting before us as we journey. But what's important here is that he sets up a contrast right out of the gate. Because he says, though we are in the world, we exist here, we have families, homes, jobs, all those things, we exist in the world, we do not wage war the way the world does. And what's interesting here is that it doesn't show up as pronounced in the English, but in the Greek, when he uses the term not, it's the strongest sense, it's the strongest word he could pull from to negate what was coming. So it's as if he was to say, for though we live in the world, we do not, we absolutely do not engage the war the way the world does. He gives an emphasis, a drive there as he's setting the stage. As Christians, we, we fight for sure. You know that. You live that. We live that every day. We fight for sure, but we do not fight the way the world does because that's not who we are anymore in Christ Jesus. We have been transformed. We have been renewed. and Therefore, we're no longer a slave to sin, a slave to fight the battle on the world's terms. No, that's not who we are anymore in Christ Jesus. How we see the world, how we engage the world, how we interact and how we react are now all under the authority of our relationship with Christ Jesus. From the very beginning, to follow Jesus means to live differently. 
to engage the battle differently than the world around us. Picking back up in our text today in verse 4. He says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Do you notice here again how adamant that Paul is that we are not using the weapons of the world? Not. He uses that same strong Greek word here to set up that contrast. So the weapons that we fight with are not, absolutely not, no way, under no circumstance, no how, are the weapons of the world. And he goes on, he says, on the contrary, so he's making sure, he's doubling down that we get this point, that we do not fight the way the world does or with the weapons that the world does. He emphasizes so strongly that we are not to engage that way. Why? Why has he gone to so much trouble to drive this point home? I think, I think that he sees within himself, I I think he sees within the church's response there in Corinth, he, he sees and recognizes that there's a desire within us, a desire within our flesh to retaliate, to defend ourselves, to lift our calls up, to lash out at other people that are coming against us. I think he's just being honest and saying, look, we don't respond that way. Let's face it. We want justice, don't we? We kind of have a sweet tooth for revenge. And we really want it now, not deferred, don't we? That's a tension we live with. And and, and can't we recognize that? We recognize that within ourselves, that there's a desire to vindicate my name, to vindicate my reputation, to lift myself up, to, to prove that I'm right, that, daggone it, I'm a nice person. I just need to show you, right? There's a, a lifting of ourselves, a, a elevating of ourselves. There's a desire there, the longing to find control, to have our hands all the way around the circumstance. The reality of this idea really hit home for me earlier this week. Uh, It was Monday afternoon. My normal rhythm is that by Monday afternoon, I'm I'm beginning to study and read for the coming Sunday. I had gotten to study for about two hours, so I was getting pretty deep into the Word and been studying and reading commentaries and praying, and I knew later I had two back-to-back Zoom meetings coming up, and we've all done enough Zoom, like you can only handle so much of that, and you just need to go walk around. So that's what I did. I went for a walk. And I, I, as I'm walking, I'm thinking about this text, and I'm just swimming in it and, and thinking about what God is trying to reveal to us. And, and as I'm walking, I, I notice a car coming down the road, and I'm still in my own world. And as I'm going, the car's getting closer, and they're getting closer, and, oh, cr- oh i got to get out of the way. Like, they almost hit me. And can I just be honest with you here for a moment? Do you want to know what thought interrupted my conversation with the Lord, interrupted my study of this very passage? Please don't judge me in this. The first thought that interrupted my conversation with the Lord and my saturation in Scripture was that I should have reached my hand out and smacked his mirror to teach him a lesson. What is that? That is a fiery dart of the enemy launched over the wall. Because in that moment... What came in my mind was retaliation, was vindication, was a lifting up of myself to prove that I was in the right, that I was the one that had to hit the ditch to keep from getting hit. I was right and I needed to prove it to him. 
What's the deal with driving like that anyway? People crazy? I was already envisioning in my mind the conversation, how I was going to prove that I was right and that person was in the wrong. And I could honestly feel in my heart that hunger for vindication, that hunger and satisfaction of retaliating. And it was in that moment that the Lord interrupted me. He said, take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. But, but Lord, <laughs> you ever find yourself going, but, but Lord? Whew, if I could just stop doing that. But, but Lord, they deserve it. They, they ran me off the road like I had to hit the ditch. And, you know, you might look at that and say, uh, you know, I, I would have been completely justified to lash out at that guy for driving that way. But that's a world's perspective. Jesus does not have that perspective. It was in that moment I realized a need for surrender. The need for me to lay myself down, what my feelings said, what my mind told me I deserved. I needed to surrender. I need to surrender those weapons of the world to engage the battle differently. God is not going to give us divine power. The promise of this passage, he's not going to give us divine power to tear someone else down. He's not. He's not going to give us power to vindicate and puff ourselves up and beat our chest in pride. He's not. That's not the promise that's here. You remember You remember our text that the weapons we fight with as God's kids that we fight with are not, absolutely not the weapons of the world. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 16, beginning in verse 24, and I invite you to study this passage this week. Read the context before it and after it. Dive in deep to this this week. This is just following on the heels of when he had to rebuke Peter. And he says there in verse 24, it says, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be saved and be a follower of Jesus and be a part of the church, whoever wants to be my disciple must, must, this is not optional, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. That's victory, friends. And it begins with surrender. To engage that battle and to find victory, we must begin at the point of surrender. And I'm going to just be honest and transparent with you, and you're going to discover this in your journey, that surrender is hard. It's not natural for us, is it? Surrender hurts. Surrender means that I'm going to bear the scars of the battle. Surrender means that others, the people who run you off the road or hurt you, that they're going to seemingly get off scot-free. Surrender is hard. But we absolutely do not wage war as the world does. We cannot, under any circumstance, use the weapons of the world. Our commitment to Jesus, our commitment to loving and following and pursuing the person of Jesus must overrule our desires to realize our own fulfillment. 
i got to hear that again. Our commitment to Jesus, our commitment to Jesus must rule over our desire to realize our own fulfillment. The weapons of the faith might not be as impressive. They might not be as popular either as the weapons of the world. But the truth is, even though those weapons often don't feel victorious, they have a divine power that has already overcome the world in Christ Jesus. That's the power that's available on the other side of surrender. Let's pick back up in our text today in verse 5. He says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it serve, make it come under the authority of Jesus. After all of this terminology of war and conflict, it may be a little surprising that the battle is based on arguments and pretensions, anything opposed to God, not people. Victory in this battle is is being defined here by the Apostle Paul as demolishing, as dismantling, as destroying, taking every thought captive that is contrary to the word and the will and the character of God. If it doesn't match this, we're to tear it down. Take it captive and put it under Jesus' authority. And what shows up here in the Greek that we don't quite see as much here is that it's in the present tense. So what I mean by that, when he says we demolish arguments, that's an ongoing and a continuing action. That we don't just claim victory today on Sunday at 1030 and sit in our easy chair. No, we take up the truth in the word of God and we go engage every moment of every battle of every day. We're actively engaged in this. It's a battle that goes on constantly, but we have a new strength in Jesus. We have the truth of his word to stand on. Paul says that we're not only to take these thoughts down, that we're not only to dismantle them, to break them down, to shine the light of gospel truth on them, but that we're to take them captive and make them obedient to Christ. And and the imagery here for this culture and this society would have been of an invading army coming in and conquering a city. And after they had conquered the city, they would take everyone captive, bound, hand, and they would lead them back to their homeland and make them serve under their rules, under their authority, under their king. That's what this imagery is. And so when we looked at it in our context, when that thought comes in, and if that repeat baby shark track just keeps playing in your mind and you can't get it to stop, we're to arrest it, put the handcuffs on it and bring it under God's authority. Make it obedient to what Jesus says. We're to take those thoughts captive. Stop the repeat. Take every thought captive. When we discern that those thoughts don't line up with the nature and the character of God as revealed in his word, Arrest them. Arrest them. What does this look like? What does this look like? I, I want to spend just a couple moments in, in maybe being uh, overly practical. But what are the practical steps that we can find out how to implement this promise in Scripture? How to define our battlefield the way Paul has to the church in Corinth? 
We're going to continue with the military theme, and I'm going to give you a couple tactics today. As we engage that battle of the mind and we begin to hear those repeat tracks or we begin to feel ourselves well up, the first question we must ask is, what's the lie? What's the lie that I'm being talked into believing? What's what's the toxic thing on replay, that hurtful, painful thing that just will not stop in your mind? What's the lie? What shot is the enemy landing in your heart? Begin to pay attention to those things. I'm not saying give them an audience. I'm saying start to pay attention to what patterns and what rhythms you're understanding and hearing in your mind. How often are you worried? How often are you worried? How, how often do you, do you wrestle with uncertainty? How many times a day does uncertainty cripple you? Maybe, maybe you find yourself questioning your self-worth, maybe your identity in Christ. How much? Maybe if you're like me, you, you have to be honest and start counting how many times you have conversations that never happen. I wish I could tell you that the minivan was an isolated incident, but it's not. It happened a couple weeks after we had moved into our house. We lost the battle for several days. Um, we had moved into our house here in Massanutten, and we had taken our dogs, and they had never been. I got picked on for saying Massanutten was the city, but we took them to a much more densely populated area than we or they had ever been before. And apparently while we were gone, they were barking. No one ever told us, except for the letter that was taped to the door one afternoon. And there we found one day an anonymous letter written from a concerned neighbor that we were allowing our dogs to bark all day. And it, honestly, friends, it destroyed us. And it was not that it was life-shattering or altering, but when somebody's messing with you on your home front, that's different. It's another level of conflict in the battle. And I, we found, and I'll just say that I found myself so often repeating what I wanted to say to that person, I didn't even know who it was. I wanted to vindicate that we weren't the people that were doing that. Like, we care, we, don't, we want to respond, but we couldn't. It was only when I began to realize how much of my life that letter had consumed that I began to find victory because I identified it as a lie. And it's not that the contents of the letter was not true, it's that my response to it was not true. So we identify the line. Begin to write those things down. Pay attention to what they are. You might begin to even see things that you've grown numb to and can't catch yourself thinking. But as the Lord reveals those things to you, write them down. And next, we need to identify what does God's word say. So we've identified the lie. Let's identify the truth. Let's identify the truth. We believe that scripture is truth and that this is the revealed word and nature of God right here. And one author I read this week said it so well. Said So when we identify the lie and we come to see what God's truth is, If God's word says one thing and your mind says another, you're the one who is wrong, not Scripture. Boy, that'll free you up right there. Because if what you jotted down in identifying the lines doesn't match up with this, we can discard those lies. We no longer have to submit to them because they're not truth. We must seek God's truth. And as we've identified God's truth and the different ways, the many scriptures, and if you need a tool to help do this this week, use Google. If you type in what does God's word say about, you name it, 
you will be blessed with so much scripture you can't take it all in. Make it that simple and that practical in your life today. If it's fear, what does God's word say about fear? What does God's word say about the future? All of that is available at your fingertips through scripture. And as we've identified that, we must next proclaim that truth over our lives. Counterattack. Counterattack in the battle. Because we've identified the lie, we've identified God's truth and what he says, we must speak that truth over the lies, over the noise in our heads. And you might have to do that 20 times, 100 times a day. Speak the truth over the lie. Speak it out loud. Put it on the mirror in the bathroom. Put it in the steering wheel of the car. Put it on the backdrop of your phone. Whatever it takes to get that truth in front of you to counter that lie of the enemy. Because as humans, our our minds do these weird things where we get stuck in a rut. You ever been there, stuck in a rut? So you get stuck in this pattern of thinking and you just can't shake it. But what we're doing by countering truth, we're countering truth, we're forming a new pattern, a new path that we can be stuck in. And I'd just as soon be stuck in the truth rut any day of the week. But it's going to take time. It's going to take repetition. Speak the truth over the lies. Attack. Get in the battle. Engage. It's by God's grace. I'm not saying muster up, strengthen up yourself. This is saying trust Jesus. Take him at his word. Taking every thought captive, this idea means that we're taking action to control our thoughts. We're no longer going to be passers-by in this conversation. As followers of Jesus, we're to think intentionally, not accidentally. What does it look like? How can I show you this? I I, I came across a story this week that I think illustrates this well. As we watch, as you hear the testimony, as as you watch this young lady giving testimony. Listen to the battle. Imagine for yourself for a moment the battle that's in her mind. Think about how she was thinking. Also think about what she may have been thinking. And what does the battle in the mind look like for her? Remember the American teacher who was shot and killed in Benghazi, Libya? Well, he will be laid to rest today in Austin, Texas. Ronnie Smith was gunned down two weeks ago today near the site of last year's deadly assault on the U.S. consulate. Now his widow is coming forward to talk about her husband's mission, and she has some surprising words for his attackers. Anna Werner has the story. Anita Smith and her husband Ronnie moved to Benghazi with their infant son on a journey of faith. Both wanted to help bring about peace. We knew beforehand that Libya is not safe. We still wanted to go somewhere where we wanted to bless the people. Did you feel like you were ever a target there? Over time, I really didn't feel unsafe. Um, Once we started really knowing our neighbors and them taking us into their homes and them loving us, It just was normal life. He taught chemistry to high school students at an international school. They made friends and adjusted to a new culture, even to the sounds of bombing at night. It was even a joke within the city among the Libyan people just saying, have you gotten used to the bombs or that sort of thing. So then it became more normal and more not scary. Looking back now, do you think the two of you were naive at all? Not at all. We knew 
before going into Libya that this was, that there was risk. We were doing this because we wanted to follow what God has for us, and that's to show the Libyan people his love and his forgiveness. The family had planned to return to America to spend the holidays with family and friends. Anita and son Hosea left in mid-November. Ronnie was to meet them a few weeks later. He never made it. On December 5th, gunmen in a car shot and killed Ronnie as he jogged on this street near the couple's home. What do you think you're going to miss the most about Ronnie? Just um, because we, it seems like we grew up together. He's just been daily in my life all these years growing together and just imagining the rest of life without him. It doesn't seem real. She says friends and neighbors in Benghazi, including her husband's high school students, have called to express their condolences. In return, she wrote an open letter to all Libyans. I hear people speaking with hate, anger, and blame over Ronnie's death, but that's not what Ronnie would want. Ronnie would want his death to be an opportunity for us to show one another love and forgiveness because that's what God has shown to us. And she included a message to her husband's killers who have yet to be captured. I love them and I, I forgive them and I have nothing against them. Anita Smith says she wants to make a return trip Probably to Benghazi to visit friends and neighbors to mourn together. For CBS This Morning, Anna Werner, Austin, Texas. Friends, there's not a weapon in the world that's that strong. There's not. There's nothing that you can take up in yourself. There's no weapon, there's no pattern of the world that can do that. That's what's on the line. We're not to take up our weapons, we're to take up our cross and follow Jesus. That's winning the battle of the mind. Where are you in the battle of the mind today? Where is it for you? Where is it for you today that... that the struggle seems real, that, that the shots coming over the wall are just landing every time. And you realize that you're facing a foe that you can't beat on your own. Where are you in the battle today? We're going to respond in two ways today. Uh, it's become pretty clear to me this week that to really engage, to take the Apostle Paul at his word that there's an element of surrender that must come first. So that's going to be our first prayer. So we're going to spend an extended time in prayer. If you are able, I invite you to stand. If sitting is more comfortable, please be there. But I invite you to stand today. And I want you, as we engage this idea, as we come humbly before the Lord, I want you to think about this idea that we can't take up the weapons of the world and hold the weapons with divine power at the same time. It's one way or the other. We cannot do both. And so my invitation to you as a tangible way to respond, remember, I wanted to knock a mirror off of minivan today. I'm that guy. But my invitation for you, if you need to surrender, is to put your hands out, palms down. 
in a posture of humility that says, Lord, I am laying down the weapons I've been taking up. As we pray today, will this be your response? Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come before you. We want to take a different posture. Lord, I want to lay down the weapons of the world that say me first. That say I want to be in the right and I want to make sure everybody knows, Lord, I need to lay those weapons down. God, will you show us? We can be so thick-headed sometimes. Lord, will you show us those places where we need to go palms down in our lives to let go of our grit to do it our way to see it ourselves lifted God will you help us to find surrender Lord show us those places Lord show us those places help us to let go and God we're going to need to pray this a lot when we get run off the road or when the repeat track's playing or when somebody at work's coming after us, we're going to have to go hands down a lot. Will you teach us your way, Lord? Teach us your way. In your name we pray. Amen. The second way I want to respond today is that if you today need to take up the truth of God's word, if the battle in your mind is raging and that baby shark track won't stop playing and you want to receive the truth of his word will you just go palms up today will you receive from him truth identify that lie in your life that lie in your mind identify it take it captive bring it under his authority will you receive from him today truth Lord, we come before you today knowing that as we surrender, Lord, you don't just leave us there, but God, you fill us with your presence. And Lord, that's what we want to receive today is you. It's you. So God, I, I pray against those strongholds, Lord, against those repeat lines that just won't stop, that question our value, our identity, and who we are. God, we come against those strongholds today. Lord, we're going to name the stronghold of doubt. And God, when that stronghold is there, we want to receive from you today the words in Psalm 19. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. Lord, you are King of kings, Lord of lords. We receive your truth today. Tear down those strongholds of doubt. May we see all of creation shouting your praise. God, when the enemy moves in and, and wants to make us think that you've abandoned us, that we have no hope for the future, may we hear your words in Isaiah. May we receive today. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. Lord, we receive your truth today. Take down that stronghold, Lord. Oh God, when we feel that need to puff our chest out, to be vindicated, Lord, will you remind us we want to combat that when we hear the words, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Oh God, counter those strongholds in our lives that want to lift ourselves up instead of you. And God, when the enemy keeps whispering in our ears that we are failures, 
that we've messed up too many times, that we just can't do it, Lord. May we receive your truth. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You know, God, when I feel like sin will always be there in my life, God, when I feel like sin is that one thing I just can't conquer, may we identify that lie and lead it captive to you, oh God. May we hear the truth of your word that says we know that our old self was crucified so that we no longer will be enslaved to sin. God, we receive your truth today. Lord, remind us, quicken us, Lord, to receive from you May we not be found, your people, trying to take up the weapons of the world, but may we receive from you divine truth and power to overcome. Lord, we need you today. Each and every one, Lord, we need you. It's in your precious and holy name that we pray. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.